Welcome back to A Bit of Fun with Emily. It's me, your host, Emily. I am glad you're here. It's season eight. Can you believe it? Season eight. And this, this is my 101st episode. That is an insane statistic. I really had my doubts on whether or not I could keep this hobby going long term. I don't have any idea how many more episodes I have in me, but I'm kind of incredibly proud of this milestone. I feel like I stuck with it. I feel like I get a little better every episode, every season, and I feel like I'm definitely more confident in my voice, putting myself out there. I hope, I hope that you have something that pushes you and challenges you and inspires you, something that lights you up for some unknown reason. It's the podcast for me, and I hope that you have something like that too. But are you ready to dive into a new topic? Some people love her storytelling. Others decidedly and vocally do not, but whether you love her or hate her, you can't deny the lasting impression that Jane Austen has had on pop culture and continues to have. So Jane was born on December 16, 1775 to the Reverend George Austen and his wife Cassandra in Hampshire, England. She was the seventh child of eight, six boys and two daughters, and her older sister Cassandra was her closest confidant and friend. Neither woman would ever marry. Interesting fact. According to the Britannica Encyclopedia, Jane Austen's lively and affectionate family circle, and she had this really extensive network of friendships, provided a stimulating context for her writing. It was this world of, they called it the minor land gentry and the county clergy in the village, the neighborhood, and the country town, with occasional visits to Bath and London, just like many of her characters do, that she gleaned inspiration for the settings, characters, and subject matter of her novels. It just occurred to me that Jane Austen was kind of like the real-life Mrs. Whistledown from Julia Quinn's Bridgerton, but instead of becoming a gossip columnist, she would turn said gossip into thoughtful, insightful, fictional stories about the status of women in 18th century England. There are mixed schools of thought as to whether or not Jane was ever really in love. It's believed that she was engaged to Harris Big Wither, an heir of a Hampshire family, in 1802, but changed her mind. There are also rumors that she fell in love, but the gentleman died soon after, which would have just been tragic. That would have been so sad. After Jane's death in 1817, her sister Cassandra destroyed many of their remaining correspondence to protect her privacy. It's not hard to believe, though, that maybe there was someone in Jane's life at some point and that it sadly did not work out, since that's kind of the major theme throughout all of her books. Well, except that her characters actually get the guy in the end, <laughs> but it doesn't go well. It's never easy. So that's what this season is going to be about. We're going to explore not so deeply the works of Jane Austen and the many adaptations inspired by her work. And if you hate Jane Austen, I hope you'll jump into the conversation because I'd love to hear why. And it's going to be a short season. So we'll get in, we'll get out, we'll move on to something else in just a few weeks. It's only fitting that we start the season with her most famous work the one that is now a pop culture staple, the one that inspired me to write an adaptation set in space a few years ago for National Novel Writing Month, the one, the only, Pride and Prejudice. So Pride and Prejudice was anonymously published in three volumes in 1813. The first edition sold out within the first year, and it has never gone out of print. Can you imagine 
creating something with that kind of staying power that has touched the hearts of so many, that has endured for over 200 years and is still being discussed and adapted to this day. That is overwhelming and it's humbling, a humbling thought. I'm just, I'm letting that sink in. That is insane. What an amazing legacy that she has left on the world. Pride and Prejudice was the second of four novels published during her lifetime, all anonymously, but simply stating, by a lady. So a summary. I can't imagine that you're not familiar with the story, but just in case, we'll toss in a brief summary before diving into my favorite adaptations. And because I've already written this out for the aforementioned space adventure, I might as well use that synopsis. I hope you don't mind. So an unofficial synopsis might read, in England, a long time ago, this seemingly crazy woman, known in all circles as Mrs. Bennett, was preoccupied with the single status of her five lovely girls. Well, mostly lovely. They're all very quirky in their own unique ways. Unfortunately for said girls, Mommy Dearest was not the most capable of matchmakers, often finding ways to embarrass the entire family with her rather exuberant nerves and affinity for wine. The heroine Elizabeth is overjoyed when her elder sister Jane catches the eye of a fine gentleman at a country soiree. The same evening proved less productive for dear Elizabeth, who was humiliated after overhearing the fine gentleman's even finer friend, Mr. Darcy, confide. She is tolerable, but not handsome enough to tempt me. Maybe not the best of first impressions. It turns out Elizabeth Bennett likes to hold a grudge, and for the better part of the story, scoffs at the puffed-up Mr. Darcy, who, while having an inclination to be both prideful and prejudiced, haha, toward those below him in society, did you see what I did there, is actually a loyal, compassionate man who suffers from the unfortunate ability to say all the wrong things in the company of our heroine. As for Elizabeth... There is a temporary dalliance with the dashing Mr. Wickham, who she comes to find out is a scoundrel in the disguise of a charming militiaman, before realizing her true feelings for the proper Mr. Darcy. After coming to her family's rescue in a most delicate of matters, Mr. Darcy discovers that Elizabeth's feelings have in fact changed, and the two wed on what I like to imagine was a beautiful spring day, living happily ever after away from the crazy mother. So there we go. A summary of Pride and Prejudice. It's my second favorite of Austen's novels. You'll have to keep listening to the season to find out which one is my favorite, what tops the list. As much as I love Elizabeth for her wit, her willingness to speak her mind boldly, and her love of her family, it frustrates me to no end that this intelligent woman falls it, falls into the habit of not asking the right questions. <laughs> She's judgmental and sometimes arrogant, which is the point of the story, I know. Pride and prejudice and all. But it still, it just irritates me because I feel like she should be smarter than that. <laughs> and now for the ranking of my top five favorite adaptations. Okay, so coming in at number five is Pride and Prejudice and Other Flavors by Sonali Dev. The book is the first in a series that follows the works of Jane Austen and was released on May 7th, 2019. It has been referred to as Bollywood meets Jane Austen, which is an apt and wonderful description. It follows the Rajesh family, an Indian family descended from royalty that have built a life in San Francisco. In the first outing of the series, we meet Dr. Trisha Rajesh, a renowned neurosurgeon who has built a life for herself that breaks many of her family's rules. Um, so she's kind of in the doghouse about some of the choices she's been making. 
When she meets up-and-coming chef DJ Kane, her world is turned upside down. DJ has met people like Trisha before, people who look down on his rough start to life, people who place status over character. DJ's pride has no place for Trisha's arrogance and prejudice, but as they get to know each other, those assumptions start to crumble and they discover that they are the real home they've both been searching for. So it's kind of a gender swap as well, where um, Trisha Rajesh is actually in the Darcy character and DJ Kane, the chef, is the Elizabeth character. I just love, I love Sonali Dev. I love all of the books in the series. She weaves Indian culture into the heart of the story, family, ambition, food, even colors, which is amazing. She doesn't shy away from complicated um, issues or confrontation, but she manages to create characters that you love and that you root for throughout the entire series. There are so many book adaptations to pick from. Curtis Sittenfeld's Eligible, Helen Fielding's Bridget Jones's Diary, and Sonia Kamal's Unmarriageable, just to name a few. If you've never dipped your toe into Austin's adaptations, especially retellings set in different cultures, I highly recommend. But Pride and Prejudice and Other Flavors by Sonali Dev and number five. Sticking with the Bollywood theme for my number four pick, 2004's Bride and Prejudice, directed by Gurinder Chadha, a modern retelling set in India and L.A. Most of her work focuses on the trials of Indian women living in England and the obstacles they face when tradition and modern culture kind of collide, which makes perfect sense in her adaptation of Austen's classic novel. The Elizabeth character Lalita Bakshi is from a working family on in um, Amritsar, India, at the wedding of a dear friend, she meets Will Darcy, a wealthy American and hotel mogul, who is visiting with Balraj, the Mr. Bingley character. Balraj falls for Lalita's sister Jaya, and Darcy and Lalita fight over their ideas on men and women and the future of India. There are impromptu musical numbers and dance sequences in this, and there's vibrant colors and unexpected performance from pop star Ashanti, and thoughtful conversations about traditional views, which was interesting. A few interesting tidbits about the movie. Lalita is reading Austin at a pool when she visits a hotel Darcy is considering purchasing in Goa. At one point in the movie, there is a musical number called A Marriage Has Come to Town. Lalita and Jaya are dancing around the street celebrating their friends' impending nuptials. In the sequence, Chada cast background dancers from the local Sikh temple. She didn't care if they could dance as long as they were having fun while dancing. I love using real people that you know are celebrating their own culture in a movie. And it is rumored that Johnny Depp and Joaquin Phoenix were both considered for the role of Will Darcy, which eventually went to Martin Henderson. If you have not seen Bride and Prejudice, I highly recommend. It is one of my favorite rewatches. I do rewatch it quite a bit, at least a couple times a year. A lot of fun. A very interesting way to mix something so very British, Jane Austen, with something um, very Indian and how you, you see ways in which imperialism affected both of those but at the same time you know honoring of tradition and culture which i really enjoy all right so that was number four we're gonna switch from bollywood to the paranormal for number three which goes to pride and prejudice and zombies i wasn't a huge fan of the books but i love the movie so this is the movie specifically at number three mostly because of Mr. Darcy, but that's a conversation for another time. Make sure to check out the socials. We're going to talk about our favorite Darcys on Instagram and Facebook this week. 
The movie came out in 2016 and was directed by Burr Steers. Fascinating name. Steers also directed 17 Again, Charlie St. Cloud, and Igby Goes Down. Apparently, he also played the role of Roger in Pulp Fiction, one of the college boys eating the Big Kahuna burgers when Vincent and Jules come to collect Marcellus Wallace's briefcase. But that's off topic. But I thought that was kind of interesting. <laughs> this is literally Pride and Prejudice, but in the middle of a zombie apocalypse where just about everyone is tra- a trained warrior trying to hold back the undead horde invading England. The other major change being that Lydia gets kidnapped by Wickham instead of running off with him because Wickham is actually in league with the zombies. Sorry, spoiler. Lily James plays Elizabeth, charming, angry. She's very angry in this and clearly attracted to Darcy, played by Sam Riley with the beautifully raspy voice. It's dark, it's bloody, and both intentionally and unintentionally funny. So I went with a small posse of librarians to see it in the theaters, and we were the only ones that seemed highly amused, which isn't all that rare, to be honest, but I bet we were kind of annoying because we were cackling pretty loudly. A few interesting tidbits about this version. During the filming process, Lily James stated that she had a scene where she had to walk through an area with zombie heads all around. Of course, most of them were fake props, and she was directed to stomp on one of them, but they weren't all fake props. They would have, you know, in the movie, they would have supposedly gotten squished. However, she stomped and then realized everyone behind cameras were all staring at her in shock. She looked down and realized she had actually stepped on one of the few extras' heads that were popping up. Didn't say if the guy was guy or girl, I guess, was okay, but she did, she did just, you know, jump on a man or woman's head. Natalie Portman was originally cast as Elizabeth Bennett, but dropped out due to scheduling conflicts. Also rumored that Scarlett Johansson, Anne Hathaway, Emma Stone, Mia Wasikowski, Runa Mara, Mila Kunis, and Blake Lively were considered to replace her before Lily James was finally cast, but Natalie Portman remained on board as a producer. And the actresses playing the Bennett sisters trained up to five times a week in combat, fighting, and boxing. So they really took it seriously. Is this movie stupid? Yes. Yes, it is. Is it still entertaining and enjoyable? Yes, it is. And I just love how they took two pop culture staples, Jane Austen's Pride and Prejudice and Zombies, which are my favorite paranormal entities. I went through a very big zombie kick for a while. I don't know why. We can talk about zombies at some point if you want. Um, But I like how they put them both together. It's fascinating. All right. So that was number three. Heading to a different medium for my number two pick, a web series that stole my heart and my money. Totally contributed to the Kickstarter for a DVD release. 2012's The Lizzie Bennett Diaries, a modern retelling made in a video blog style following Lizzie Bennett, a grad student who navigates ambition, love, and a complicated family dynamic, all while sharing her life in front of a camera. So this was on YouTube and still on YouTube if you would like to watch it. This was the first website series I really fell in love with. There would be others. I see you. The New Adventures of Peter Pan and Wendy and Emma approved. There's something really impressive about storytelling via the internet. The episodes are short and have to be well thought out to keep the plot moving in a timely manner. You have actors who love the craft but aren't big names. It's been a lot of fun when you start to see these actors in other projects, bigger projects, and you're like, oh, that was the guy from Emma Approved. But I think the most fun thing is that there's interaction with the audience, with the viewer, the watcher, 
Really just acknowledgement of the audience brings the viewer into the story in an interesting way. They did Q&As where Lizzie, the Lizzie character, was actually answering viewer questions. Um, they also had at one point, I think it was in Emma Approved, though, which is the video series about Jane Austen's Emma, where they actually have a viewer on the screen. I think she won a contest or something. So I just, I love the way that they bring the the audience into it. And then it's the grassroots nature of the creation that lets you get involved. Financially, yes, but it gives you a little serotonin boost because you feel like you've supported the arts in a very weird little way. As for what they did with the story, I love how they showed a flawed Lizzie who speaks too soon, can be very judgy, but also learns from her mistakes. And while it's still about her love-hate relationship with Darcy, there's a greater focus on her as a woman and her connection with her just two this time sisters. If you haven't seen it, highly recommend. I also have the DVDs if you would like to borrow them because I eventually did get them in the mail. That was number two. And now for my number one pick, the version I've probably seen 50 times easy, 2005's Pride and Prejudice, starring Kira Knightley and Matthew McFadden. The movie was directed by Joe Wright, who has a few movies on his filmography that you might be familiar with, Atonement with Knightley and James McAvoy, The Soloist with Jamie Foxx, Pan with Hugh Jackman, and The Woman in the Window with Amy Adams. From the sweeping landscapes to the melodic soundtrack, it hit all of the right notes. In fact, as I was um, writing Pride and Prejudice in Space for National Novel Novel Writing Month a couple of years ago, I actually played this soundtrack during my writing sessions because it just kind of put me in the mood. I love it. It's very beautiful. Hilariously, it's the only period piece on the list. I think that just goes to show the enduring legacy of the original story. What this version gets so right is Mr. Darcy. He's awkward and shy. He's constantly saying the wrong thing because he's uncomfortable in social situations. And there are these subtle moments when you see him falling in love with Elizabeth. You visibly see the effect that she has on him from a gentle touch after helping her into a carriage to a loss of words when professing his feelings. They got Mr. Darcy right, in my opinion, at least. A few interesting tidbits. Matthew McFadden has very poor eyesight in the misty morning shot. Director Joe Wright, so at the very end of the movie, you see Darcy walking across the misty field. Um, Elizabeth hadn't been able to sleep, so she is standing on a bridge, just happened to be in the same field. And so director Joe Wright was behind the camera waving red flags so McFadden knew where to walk. I don't know. That's my favorite tidbit ever. Dame Emma Thompson did an uncredited and unpaid rewrite of the script. She received a special thanks credit at the end of the movie. One of the two scenes that Emma Thompson wrote was the scene in which Charlotte Lucas, Elizabeth's best friend, tells Elizabeth that she is going to marry Mr. Collins. The other one is the scene where Elizabeth tries to tell Mr. and Mrs. Gardner and Mr. Darcy about Lydia's elopement with Mr. Wickham. Um, so you have Kira Knightley walking in and out of the room. That was actually Thompson's idea, according to the Joe Wright DVD commentary. Two very good scenes. I, I really like actually the scene with Charlotte and Elizabeth when Charlotte comes to tell Elizabeth that she's actually going to marry Mr. Collins because it humbles Elizabeth and I think in a very important way. Does she stay humbled? No. <laughs> you see how she kind of reacts when she goes to visit Charlotte and Mr. Collins. Um, but I, I like that moment quite a bit. 
Honorable mention, you might have noticed I did not include the Pride and Prejudice miniseries with Colin Firth. It is good. I enjoy it, but it's long. It's very long, and I like to get in and out of things, in and out. But that is it for today. As I mentioned, this is going to be a shorter season. I think it's going to be only eight episodes as opposed to 10, so we're not going to sit in Austin for too long. I'm going to host a poll on the socials for a little help figuring out what to do in season nine. So I hope you'll chime in with your thoughts. But as always, thank you so much for listening. Oh, I also had another thought I wanted to run by you. A dream. Not like I was asleep dream. Just it was I was daydreaming thinking about things. A way to kind of continue to build this community and have a little fun. A pop culture drinking club where we meet once a month at a bar, a different bar each month, and we tackle unimportant pop culture questions. I'll come with a bowl of topics and we'll grab drinks and each person will draw out one of the topics and lead the conversation to the best of their ability while we laugh and we drink and we just have fun getting to know each other and reveling and revealing our pop culture proclivities. If you're in the Indianapolis area and that sounds like a bit of fun to you, let me know. We'll get that started. So hop on the post on Instagram or Facebook about this episode and leave a comment and let me know if that is something that you would like to participate in and we will get that organized. Thank you so much for listening. Really, it is so appreciated. If you haven't already, I hope you subscribe so we can keep going on this journey together. And if you've got the time, it would be awesome if you could rate and review the podcast so that other individuals who like random conversations about pop culture, well, they can join in on the fun as well. Or if you want to share this podcast, that would be awesome too. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at at GnomeGirlM and on Facebook as a bit of fun with Emily. Go have yourself a bit of fun today and I will see you next time. Thank mm-hmm. you.